0: You're listening to For Eternity and Until, where together we uncover how to bring heaven to earth in our everyday choices and live the life we were created for. I'm your host Tori May Hine, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's get this party started. So, what do we do when everything is going wrong? My family and I have had a year so far in 2022 where it feels like every corner that we wrap ourselves around in our journey, we're faced with a new obstacle that needs tackling and not small obstacles, big life-changing questions and conversations and very expensive car repairs and unexpected decisions from other people that have drastically impacted our life. I was chatting with a friend over coffee over the weekend and expressing some of these things that we're walking through and what this year has looked like and the things that it all entailed. And she sat there with me in it and just responded saying, my goodness, that is a lot That's a lot, Tori. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this in previous seasons for yourself that when you are walking through a lot and you're recounting the things that you're going through and then somebody simply just acknowledges what you're going through and how much that makes you feel seen and known and cared for. Yeah, that's how I felt. And it's who we should be for others. But we don't want to be sitting in the midst of the overwhelm when it relates to all of the things that are going wrong and changing and cave into the temptation of urgency and fear in the midst of the unknown. We want to remain the people who steadfastly pursue the hope and the calling of Jesus Over our lives as believers, even in the midst of the plans going wrong. How do we do this, though? How do we hold the space between the tension of the disappointment of missed expectations and broken plans and shattered dreams and expensive car repairs and lack of income and deep emotional turmoil while also simultaneously holding the truth that God gives us in his word that he works everything together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. We Hold this promise and it affects the way that we respond in seasons when everything is going wrong, but we don't have to live in an unreality where we are not aware and concerned with the fact that everything is going wrong around us. It's kind of a both and. So I want to address some of this and bring up a couple of scriptures and tips that I've personally been walking through this year because I know that there's other people out there that are experiencing the same turmoil that I am. And if you're not, then it's just a matter of the next season when you will. And we need to have a plan in action to know how we are going to respond to these things so that we don't react out of extreme emotion or scarcity or fear, but we're responding in truth while also tending to and acknowledging the hurt that comes with a loss of expectation. There was a psalm that I read in high school that ministered deeply to me in a season of searching and longing and waiting. And it has continued to be a prayer that I use as a cry for my heart in many seasons. So I'm going to pause, and if you're listening with me, you can go ahead and grab your Bible. If you're in a place where you can do that, if you're on the treadmill or if you're driving, obviously don't pull up anything to start reading. I'm going to read it to you. But let me read these beautiful words for you in Psalm 32. Psalm 32, a Psalm of David. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave my guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which has no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. So let's go back to verse one. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered. No matter what you are navigating in your life, circumstantial, relational, financial, emotional, this is still your spiritual reality. Your transgressions have been forgiven Your sins have been covered. This was written by David in the Old Testament. This wasn't his full reality, yet he understood that in the fear of the Lord was wisdom and in the fear of the Lord was blessing and safety for us on the other side of Christ's sacrifice and the finished work of Jesus on the cross to forgive us and set us free from the repercussions of our sin from the reality of what we deserved ourselves in the midst of broken circumstances of the world and our own brokenness within us, we can rest no matter what the circumstances are that we're facing, knowing that this spiritual reality does not alter or change with these shifting circumstances. The fear and the lack of security that we can often feel in the natural is not our spiritual reality. David goes on to say, blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit there's no deceit. Now there's an alternate perspective that we can have when we're facing circumstances, whether it's our own wrongdoing or it's the wrongdoing that's been done by others, or it's just the shifting and of expectation and outcome in our everyday lives, that perspective and option is seen in verse three when it says, I kept silent and my bones wasted away through all my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. When we are caving into fear and insecurity, when we have made the wrong decision, and we're facing the consequences of those outcomes or we're experiencing loss from someone else's choice or for navigating these broken circumstances and we fail to acknowledge to pause and to unload <laughs> Cast off your burden, Jesus says. Come to me if you're weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you. Learn from me. I'm gentle. I'm lowly in heart. You will find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. This is what he says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. When we fail to do that, and instead we close in, we shell up, we keep silent, this is Is when our bones waste away, but God is offering us a way out, a way to release and to come back to Him. We want to raise our kids to follow Jesus, to be resilient disciples, but how? How do we make discipleship a priority in the busyness of our everyday lives? Listen, even if your summer schedule is filling up with bonfires, ball games, and trips to the pool, you can still turn everyday moments into moments that matter. With guided conversations through God's word and fun hands-on activities for a variety of ages, talk about the new family discipleship subscription from Awana was made just for your family. You can try one month of Talk About for free with the special promo code All Caps Eternity. Start today at TalkAboutDiscipleship.com. Sometimes it's really easy to justify the shell mentality of keeping silent and keeping it to yourself and don't worry about it. I'll deal with it later or the distraction of overworking or perfectionism or people pleasing or any of these other ways that we grasp for security in the midst of turmoil, we keep silent rather than coming to God and uh, and receiving this invitation that he's given to us to cast off our burden. And the reason why is usually having to do with the belief that we're having around how we should be responding when circumstances shift and change. I think as believers, we fail to enter into a a journey of acceptance and acknowledgement of the hurt and the harm that we're navigating through because we think we shouldn't We shouldn't have any emotional response to it. (laughs) Like if I believe that everything works out for the good of those who are called according to his purpose, then there's no need to verbally process. There's no need to unload. Why worry about it? Just trust him. This is kind of the way that my husband works. He tends to feel stress and enclose and immediately just shift to the, I trust God and I'm not gonna freak out. Uh, But I think there is... Definitely a benefit for him and for me, who I am more of the I'm going to freak out for sure and verbally process for a while and then come back around to center between the two, because it's not until we acknowledged what was happening that and confess It says here in this Psalm, when I acknowledged my sin to you, verse five, and did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. You forgave me the guilt of my sin. Now, you might be thinking, what I am dealing with right now is not the result of my sin. It's the result of somebody else's sin. Nonetheless, even in the way that we respond and how we handle things and the beliefs that we're choosing and the thoughts that we're thinking as it relates to this circumstance. Your question that you have to ask yourself is, what can I come before God to lay down? This is a, this is what repentance means. It's not, "woe well, it was me? I'm a dirty little bad worm. And I deserve all of these terrible things. And so I'm going to come to God to tell him how dirty and bad I am and beg for his forgiveness. This is not the relationship that we have with God because of Jesus. In the New Testament, it tells us to come boldly before the throne of grace and to ask for what we need. When we choose to deal with it ourselves, we're essentially saying, I shouldn't be bothering God with this. I shouldn't even be worried or sad or hurt by these shifting circumstances. I shouldn't be afraid. And that shame closes in and it causes you to live in this dark and isolated place. But the moment that you choose repentance, the moment that you choose acknowledgement, The light of the grace and the mercy and the love of God shines into this place. He acknowledged his sin. He didn't cover up his iniquity. He didn't have to pretend like he did everything right. He didn't have anything to prove. Instead, I'm going to come back to the Father and confess my transgression to the Lord. And the response is always forgiveness. It's always a covering of our guilt and our shame because we serve a merciful God. So David beckons us, therefore, let the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of many waters will not reach them. My circumstances that I'm facing right now are extremely overwhelming and by myself, I cannot handle them. But The rising of many waters will not reach me. I will be faithful to pray. I come to you to contend and to war in the midst of these circumstances, to beckon my God, to ask my God with with quiet confidence, with assurance that he will be faithful to fulfill his promises in due time. I will not fear. Oh, but God, help my unbelief. Keep me tethered. Keep me close to your heart. Help me understand your purpose in the midst of all these things because I don't know it. These are the sort of prayers that we have to pray in order to find a true sense of acceptance and peace that will give you the quiet that is necessary in your heart and in your mind and your soul in order to make a conscious decision of how you're going to move forward. Verse 7 says, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble. You will surround me with songs of deliverance. This is David calling out to the nature and the character of God. You are my place of safety. And for us as believers, New Testament believers on the other side of the sacrifice and death and resurrection of our Savior, This God, this hiding place resides in us. Holy Spirit lives in and through you. And we're covered by a Father who is a place of safety, but we're also indwelled with His Spirit. So, this safety that you are seeking after is not something that is outside of you or something that you have to manipulate in order to create, but A God who is already with you, a God who is already present in the room, who is present in your heart, who has seen and known and experienced and felt every sorrow of your heart too. He is with you and he is for you and he is good and he is already, even before the circumstances begin to shift, surrounding you with songs of deliverance. A massive thank you to all of you who have given to Joshua House Ministries. Jim and Sandy personally thank you as well. Every single dollar that you spend as an investment in the kingdom of God reaps an eternal reward, not just for you, but for the lives of others. What we do with our resources matter. And I know that right now, it's really difficult for many people to give. So I just appreciate your willingness to partner with Jim and Sandy and the work that they're doing in the Ukraine. They've been there for 30 years, adopting children, rescuing them from sex trafficking, and giving them an abundant second chance at life. And right now they're using their facility in the Ukraine to house refugees who have been displaced due to the war. And if you want to help fund the renovations that they need for their building, go to joshuahousecares.org. Usually when everything is going wrong, you're going to be put into a position where you're going to have to make a decision and make a choice that will impact the outcome of future decisions, right? And some of us can really get weighed down by the pressure of needing to make a choice and the fear of making the wrong choice in order to create more traumatic, harmful, shifting circumstances that we're already experiencing. Believe me, I'm raising my hands, this is me. I actually think I laid my head on my pillow last night and one of my last words to my husband was, I just wanna make the right choice. And I heard this loving reminder in verse 8, and we need to hear it afresh, even though we read it earlier. Verse 8 of Psalm 32 says, I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. The loving eye of the Father is on me. He is leading me. He's instructing me. He is counseling me. I'm not making this decision on my own. The belief that I can make the wrong choice when I'm seeking the will of God is a belief that's contrary to the truth of God's word. When we seek him, we will find him. When we seek him with our whole heart, this is scripture. And it says here in verse 9, To not be like the horse and the mule, which has no understanding, but must be controlled by a bit and, and bridle, or they will not come to you. His encouragement here is don't be the person who goes and tries to figure it out on their own, who has no understanding because they have no fear of God, who isn't coming before God's word and coming to pray and coming to wait and coming to listen, but you're like, a rebellious horse shaking its head around who needs a Brit and a and a bridle. I don't even drive horses or drive horses. <laughs> I don't ride horses. So I don't really know much about this, but I do know that anytime I've watched somebody ride a horse, they have to have, you know, those tools inside of the animal's mouth in order to direct it. Don't be that person. Instead, When you position yourself in a place of humility where you're willing to be instructed and taught and directed and counseled, then you have nothing to fear about the decisions that you're going to make because every decision is going to be made with God and God is going to direct you and use you and teach you. So I think it's easy on the other side of the outcome of a circumstance or the results of something, to judge your ability to hear and listen and um, make conscious, you know, choices that are in alignment with God's word. You know, when we have a result that we didn't desire happen. And then we're like, oh, I'm, I'm so terrible. I'm a bad mom. And I really made the wrong turn. And I really made the wrong choice there. When we are being instructed and taught and counseled by a loving God, and we know who we've been created to be the values that we hold as most important and the character in which we're supposed to, you know, make these decisions and live our life a character of love. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When we're living there and making decisions and choices, I almost just made a whole new word right there. De-choices is what I almost just said. Decisions and choices. When we're making decisions and choices from that position and then we experience outcomes and results that weren't desirable, we don't have to go back and blame ourselves for our lack of ability to hear and listen and follow. We don't have to cave back into shame as a form of self-sabotage or a false sense of safety. We can just say, I sought the Lord, I listened, I followed. And similar to Job's response, God gives, God takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. He's the one in charge of the outcome. I'm in charge of following. I'm in charge of faithfully stewarding What God has given me. I'm in charge of being faithful. God is in charge of bringing the growth. When we are slow to come to God with these things, then we can expect many woes. Many are the woes of the wicked. It says in verse 10, But the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Unfailing love. It's impossible to fail when we are living led by the love of God. I mean, we will fall short of perfectly following this love of God. But when we know in circumstances that we are anchored in to trusting the knowledge of our omniscient God, the goodness of the plans and the promises of our God, then we have nothing to fear. We don't have to fear failure. Verse 11, this is our choice of response, is rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. So let's summarize this really quick. When everything is going wrong, do the following. Number one, pause and remember. Remember what cannot be changed. What has God already done and how does it change the way that you see your circumstances now? Number two is get honest. Get honest before God and others. Confess what needs to be confessed. Acknowledge what needs to be acknowledged. And when you do, you'll open up the windows and let the light into the dark places where you feel alone and where you feel overwhelmed. Number three is ask, what do you need? Forgiveness. Do you need direction? Do you need to be taught something? Do you need instruction? Do you need peace? Do you need safety? Come before God and ask. Number four is proclaim the promises of God and the character of God. Speak to him in the same way that David spoke, telling him who he is. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble. Surround me with songs of deliverance. This is who our God is. When you know who he is, and you're established in the truth of his character, proclaim that character, not as a reminder to God because he's forgotten, but as a reminder to your heart to remember who it is that you're speaking to. Number five is listen. God will meet you with instruction and teaching. He will show you the way to go. He will counsel you with his loving eye on you. So you have to be willing to listen. Don't stubbornly dig your heels in to try to figure it out on your own and close your ears to the direction that God is offering to you, but keep yourself wide open to receive from him. And lastly, even when it doesn't feel like it, even when the circumstances haven't shifted yet, praise your way forward toward the promise. Praise precedes the promise. Praise precedes the breakthrough. And even when the circumstances do not change and the breakthrough that you're praying for does not come, praise repositions our hearts to trust and acknowledge that no matter what the outcome is, our God is faithful and he is good and he is with us. As David said in verse 11, "'Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous, seeing all of you who are upright in heart.'" Before anything changes, be the one who opens your mouth to sing aloud praise to a God who always comes through. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you have a second, leave a review or post a comment here on the podcast page. It helps this podcast to be seen by other people so we can spread this message far and wide. I cannot wait until next week and I'll talk to you soon.